Shabbat Shalom. Yesterday was Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israel's Independence Day. Israel is 70 years old. After services, you're invited downstairs for a for Kiddush and Motzi and an Oneg, and you'll see there a special exhibition that we have mounted in partnership with Beit Tzfutzot, the Museum of the Jewish People, courtesy of the Stephen Wise Israel Committee and our trustee, Shula Bahat. This is a momentous and glorious moment, a twofold miracle for our people. First, what Israel has accomplished in 70 years is unfathomable. The Mishnah states, Ben Shivim La Seva. One shows their age at 70. At 70, we become white, the sages teach. I can relate to that. The handwriting is on the wall for me. Every time I go to the barber, like yesterday, there's more white on that blue cape. You know, you look down, you see so much white. Well, that's a topic for another sermon. But at least my stylist tells me I have white. I have hair to become white. But while for the individual, 70 is an advanced age, for a nation, it is a mere blip in time. Israel is a young country, a new child in the family of nations. On every other day, we may point to our troubles, our challenges, our flaws, rightly so. An uncritical Jew is a contradiction in terms. There has never been such a strange creature. An uncritical, uncomplaining Jew, never in the history of the Jewish people, neither will there ever be such an unusual creature. Many of us believe that even today, a day of celebration, we should highlight not what we have achieved, but what we have failed to achieve, that's fine. And utterly Jewish, we have so many unsolved problems. It's, of course, not unique to Jews. I've heard that other nations have a few problems. I've even heard that Sweden has a problem or two that it hasn't solved. But for me, I believe that on a birthday, it's also important to step back for a moment and reflect on the significance of life to note how far we have come and to give thanks for our blessings. To be truly conscious of our Jewish identity, we must also be conscious of our distinction. The Jewish state is on the cutting and leading edge of so many human endeavors. Technology, biotechnology, medicine, science, agriculture, water desalinization and recycling, computer hardware and especially software, security systems, art, music, law, literature, fashion, wineries, 
and other culinary delights. I remember the days that even to ask, where can I get good food in Israel, was to label you an unserious Jew. Remember those days on LL flights when the flight attendant would ask, do you want dinner? The passenger would respond, what are my choices? And the attendant would say, yes or no? Actually, El Al is not that much better today. <laughs> Although by now, it's equally as bad as all the other airlines, so I consider that progress. <laughs> today, tourists flock to Israel just to eat for a week at Israeli restaurants. Cooking is a macho thing now. If you can't whip up some amazing Shabbat lunch for 20 of your friends, you're somehow unmanly. Israel's population is more than 10 times what it was on this day 70 years ago. Its economy is many times larger than that. Among the top 20 economies in the world, Israeli universities are world class churning out leading inventors, scientists, doctors, philosophers, authors, engineers, and academics. You might hear a lot about people boycotting Israel. It seems to get disproportionate attention. But more tourists are flocking to Israel than ever before the country's Tourism infrastructure strains to keep pace. We struggle to secure rooms for our delegation in January, our next synagogue mission. There are still rooms for you, but you better get in early. Join that mission. All of this with one hand tied behind Israel's back, spending inordinately disproportional amounts of national treasure on security, withstanding and enduring the searing pain of human loss. Nearly 25,000 Israelis have laid down their lives on the altar of self-defense. Israel is now more secure, itself an enormous accomplishment. And this greater sense of well-being allows Israelis now to look more comprehensively outside of Israel at the world at large. And today, Israelis are among the first on the scene of natural or human-made disasters. Everywhere there's a disaster, you find some Israeli presence. They often provide the best of all first aid. We've met some of these first responders on our Israel missions, as well as in Europe. They've also visited our synagogue. Babies in disaster zones are named Israel in gratitude for Israeli doctors who delivered them. This Jewish humanitarian impulse extends even to Israel's enemies. The Israeli, Israel Defense Forces established a field hospital on the Syrian border. On our mission last month, we met the IDF officer who set it up. 
thousands of wounded Syrian civilians who were taught from childhood to hate Jews, including many hundreds of Syrian children, have been restored to health by Israeli doctors. In past missions, we've heard from Israeli medical personnel how disoriented some patients were to wake up in an Israeli hospital, treated at no cost to them by the best doctors in the world who they thought were their sworn enemies. The costs are picked up by Israeli taxpayers. Other Israelis collect toys, money, and hygiene kits for these desperate Syrians, savaged by their own government and healed by the Jewish government. On our mission last year, we met Payam Feli in Tel Aviv. He's an Iranian Muslim poet who was persecuted in Iran for being gay. He was detained three times by Iranian authorities. The last time, he was locked in a shipping container for 44 days. He realized that the next time the Iranian authorities come for him would be the last. In a long, convoluted journey, he ended up in Israel, where his latest book was translated into Hebrew. Payam told us that there is no place within a thousand miles like Tel Aviv. It's a miracle, he said, an oasis of decency in a desert of depravity. He could have sought asylum in the United States, but he chose to stay in Tel Aviv, where, as he described, everyone is free, where the gay community is proud, accepted, and unafraid. This national will this indomitable determination, courage, ingenuity, innovation. These are marvels to behold, miracles, and evidence of what human beings can do if only given the chance. And all this progress, it's just the beginning. Imagine what Israel will accomplish in the next 70 years. It took several decades for this collective Jewish genius to burst into the open. But it was always there. It is within our people. Israel's accomplishments are not coincidental. The founding Zionist generations, the pioneers of everything we see, were people of the stoutest hearts, the strongest spirits, the most uplifting vision. They built the state from sand and swampland. In those early days, mortal threats came from the largest and the smallest of foes. Malaria-infected mosquitoes felled multitudes. Hate-filled neighbors, some of whom openly sided with the Nazis,
unleashed their armor, their air forces, and foot soldiers to strangle the infant in its cradle. There is a concept in Judaism called hakarata tov, recognizing the good. This day is dedicated to pausing from our regular routines and critical observations to acknowledge the good, the blessings that our generation has received. A hundred generations have passed since the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, and almost all of them considered the restoration of Jewish sovereignty to be a distant dream. It was so distanced that even 1900 years later, when Theodor Herzl announced the birth of the Zionist movement, most Jews considered that announcement Ipso facto evidence that Herzl was a madman. Do you know that 88% of Israelis, practically everyone, claims to be satisfied with their lives? With all of the problems, Israelis are among the happiest people in the world? I remember to this day meeting one of our congregants in Central Park who had traveled on the first synagogue mission to Israel after I arrived. I asked her how she had processed our experience now that we had been back a month. She responded to me, you know, everything in Israel is so vibrant and intense. It's like living life in color. Since I've returned, I've been a bit depressed and been unable to restore my spirits because I feel like I'm living in black and white. It turns out that happiness, our existential satisfaction, is not only or even primarily a function of economic prosperity or professional success. It's also about purpose, motivation, collective effort, history, opportunity, meaning, a sense of destiny. This then is the second great miracle of our time. Israel has restored the national spirit of the Jewish people. It is not only that Israel is a place of refuge for millions of persecuted Jews who now live with dignity and are thriving. If it was only that, Dayenu, that would have been enough. If all Israel did was to provide a home for what is probably now the majority of the world's Jews, Dayenu. This too would have been enough. But Israel is much more. Israel is the most eloquent expression of Jewish peoplehood in our days. It is one of the great wonders of the world, the engine for recreation 
and restoration of the national home and the national spirit of the Jewish people. Israel testifies to the Jewish people's indomitable will to survive. They can't get rid of us. Israel is a testament of hope over despair. Its very existence says to the world that if the Jews can do it, the Jews, the Jews, after all that we have endured, others can dare to hope as well. As this congregation's rabbi, and as a successor to Rabbi Wise, the leader of American Zionists in the 20th century, I have endeavored to develop in you, if not Zionist convictions, at least a feeling of special connectedness to the Jewish state. We cannot fully understand the contemporary Jewish experience or live complete Jewish lives without Israel being part of our Jewish identity. If all we have is an individual, self-centered view, disregarding the totality of the Jewish people, we will lead diminished Jewish lives that will not sustain Judaism in your family or in the Jewish community over time. Israel is where we discover that Judaism is not only Shabbat, Judaism is not only festival rituals, it is not only synagogue, it is not only life cycles and Torah study, but Judaism is all in a history a destiny, a civilization. Judaism is the collective experiences of the Jewish people exercising collective Jewish influence and responsibility. And what we've discovered in the past 70 years is that exercising collective influence and responsibility, the wielding of national power, It's hard. It's politically hard. It's morally hard. For 2,000 years, our people had no collective power or responsibility. It's one thing to sit in the Torah academies in the diasporas of the world and develop standards of behavior. It's another thing entirely to exercise sovereignty in a manner compatible with Jewish values. But what Jewish history proves conclusively is that powerlessness leads to catastrophe. It is far better to have power and struggle with the moral dilemmas of wielding it than to be powerless and at the mercy of the dark lords. A people can never put itself at the mercy of the marauding beasts. It can never depend on outside protectors. They won't come. They won't come to save you 
a hundred cruise missiles notwithstanding, they won't come. Powerlessness leads to more abuse, not less. It leads the strong to savage the weak, especially in the Middle East. Open any newspaper on any day and read it for yourself. On some Israel missions, we ascended to an observation point on the Golan Heights, allowing us to peer deep into Syrian territory. We heard the savagery, the bombs. We heard them. We saw the smoke. We imagined the suffocating chemicals. Israel is about dignity and empowerment for individual Jews and for the Jewish people to write a new chapter of Jewish history, not as victim, but as an agent of progress and social repair. The Birkat Amazon, the Grace After Meals, opens with this verse from the Psalms. Shira ma'alod b'shuv Adonai et shivat Zion ha'inu kecholmim. When God restored us to the land of Zion, we were like dreamers. Commentators pointed out that the Hebrew word for dreamers, cholmim, is also the root of the Hebrew word lehachlim, to get well, to heal. These commentators read the verse from the Psalms thus. When God restored us to the land of Zion, we began healing from all those years of exile. Our soul revived. Our spirit returned. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam shehechiyanu vekiyamanu vehigianu lazman hazeh. Praised are you, O God, ruler of the universe gives us life, sustains us, and allows us to live and to see these miraculous times. Amen.